Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Frio Big Footy podcast. This week we'll go back and have a look at the game versus St Kilda last week, where Fremantle, particularly in the first quarter, showed a bit of that uh, early season form before sort of tapering away in the second half. We'll have a look at Peel's march towards the finals in the Waffle with a comfortable win against South Fremantle, and then have a look at the big upcoming clash in the Derby 42, where Fremantle will aim to square up the ledger. Joining us is our usual resident Victorian expert, Seppo. How are you, mate? I'm good, Centurions, and aren't we excited? It's Derby Week, one of the uh, biggest uh, fixes on the Frio calendar, but it's just a bit more at stake this week, so it's a big week of football. It certainly is, and we'll get and have a look at a bit more of the detail of that game later on, Seppo. But last week, we saw Fremantle jump out of the blocks early before putting it on cruise control in the second half, where... Ended up running, running away comfortable 15 goals, 6.96 winners to 8 goals, 11.59. And all uh, sort of game of two halves, Seppo, with Fremantle coming out of the box brilliantly in the first uh, quarter and then sort of screeching the uh, brakes on, particularly after half time. Yeah, you can see that real burst um, kick on after I think Loney kicked the first one. It got a bit worrying in the first few seconds, but Freo just put the blitz on and. Kicked 12 goals straight before they finally missed. So it was uh, great to see that good pressure and things that we've seen probably at the start of the season. This is what we talked about over the last couple of weeks, you know, for just getting back to that early season form. And they kind of got there. It's a bit of a shame they didn't get over the 100 mark in the end. But to, to kick that straight and show that sort of attacking flair, <laughs> even without Fife and Johnson out there, was really good to see. And just the accuracy of some of those kicks and, and even some of the big marks in the game, like uh, Griffin and Mzungu and um, young Alex Pierce seemed to build in confidence again, going from forward and going down back when McFarlane got subbed out was uh, great to see. Yeah, maybe uh, speaking of those big marks, Seppo, Jonathan Griffin may have taken uh, Maney away from one of the marks of the year if he, uh, he had it all name written all over it before Griff took it off him. <laughs> He's done that once or twice now. I think there was one where I thought that Sandlands was going to mark it and Griff just came in the front and, and snuck it away and got paid the mark, which was um, pretty good. But good to see he's actually showing a bit of uh, fight and intent and, and real attack and he's um, not as slow as I thought he was. Yeah, the, probably the biggest talking point out of the game, Seppo, would have been probably the unfortunate calf scare, whether you call it a cork, injury, whatever, whichever word you want to do it. But the fact of the matter is... Uh, for most Fremantle supporters watching, seeing Luke McFarlane have any sort of doubt on his calf is a um, bit of a scare for anyone to watch. So hopefully, I mean, I'd be, and we'll get to it a little bit more later on, but I'd be very, very surprised if he plays this week in the Derby. Uh, and a couple of the other boys pulling up a little bit sore too. Yeah, you could see the condition of the grounds. Obviously, I um, got out there to hold up the banner early and you could see in the ground there was sort of scuff marks and it was quite boggy and chipped up a bit around the ground. So you could see they just parked the bus and didn't really put much effort into the last quarter and they were just going into conservation mode. So it's probably smart and I'm not sure how much of a an injury it was to Luke before they pulled him off. But if it was all precautionary and there was no major damage done, it's probably a good move because he certainly didn't move out of the defensive 50 all day and just having a look at his uh, GPS and his... Uh, the possessions are all inside that defensive 50. So he didn't really move much for while he was out there. Um, and uh, it was just interesting to see even just the the way that Alex Pierce and Silvani worked in combination with Luke. It was good to see that they've um, 
yeah, we've we've got a sort of a functioning back six now again, and you know you can put one in there or one out. And the way that Alex came back into the side, it was like he hadn't missed a game, which was great to see. Yeah, he took ten marks on the day, and playing against Rewell worked hard. And you know what you're going to always get from Alex, and I thought it was a terrific comeback, considering he hasn't played all that much, even considering it was really only a half appeal in the reserves, and then to come out and play on one of the premier players and Rewalt. Didn't probably look himself the whole game out there, Seppo. Kicked uh, a couple of flower there. bags early on. Yeah, particularly when he was kicking up the and we were at it was, uh, you know, certainly unlike him. But full full credit to Fremantle, they certainly made him take shots from difficult angles and right on the boundary line. But uh, Silvani was fantastic, and once again, Ibbotson did know his uh, all Australian calculations no harm with another terrific performance in that uh, back six as well. Yeah, he was quite strong in the back line and really directed the uh, traffic out from the back line, but I think it's just going to be improved once we get Johnson back in there to do that role as well. It was uh, very interesting to see the um, spread of goal kickers, the fact that we didn't have a, a standout and all of Crozier, Griffin, Hill, Main, Pav and Sandy all got two each, so it was good that there wasn't left to one person and, and everyone got a crack up front as well as some of the other guys like Alex Pierce got on the board with his uh, second career goal and, and two other misses, so... Um, it would have been nice to see him get on with two as well, but it's it's really good to see the good spread of uh, goal kickers up there. And it's a shame that Walters couldn't get on there because I thought he had a pretty good game at, at half four, but just not playing as close to goal as he used to. Yeah, he's definitely pushing up the ground a little bit more and it took a couple of his marks across that half-back line. And Crozier kicked another, as you said, Seppo, kicked another couple of goals and he's just starting to feel a bit more comfortable. I'm sort of going to give him a pass the week before. I thought he... He obviously wasn't 100% and you could sort of see him throwing up on the sidelines when he didn't kick any, but he looked good in the Richmond game at the G where he kicked a couple and certainly giving him just a couple of more goals than we were, maybe not the pressure that Ballas was, but certainly giving us a little bit more scoreboard impact than what Ballas was uh, prior to injuring himself. And that mm. may not necessarily have been always his fault, but he's looking like he's taking a couple of good grabs and his use of the ball has been pretty solid. Yeah, speaking of using the ball, I think our whole disposal efficiency on it was averaging out to 78%, but I think we were a bit smarter with our ball use, and um, even though there probably were a couple of moments that Ross would call it a bit cute with the footy, but definitely the way we moved it and, and hit people right in the um, the centre, obviously a lot of the set shots were taken by Main and Pav right and directly in front. Um, I think Hill was quite crucial with his kicking, and he'll probably feature in the um, best on ground votes for that, as well as probably Mundy and maybe Sandlands, but Hill's just been phenomenal with his um, you know, distance on his kicking and how accurate he's been recently. Oh, Hill's been, well, as you said, he's just been awesome. There's no other word to describe it. In fact, probably in the last you know, two or three weeks, I don't think I've probably seen a better you know, kicking performance, particularly, you know, as I said, just able to hit players on the, on the chest consistently and not giving his opponent any chance. Lucky Neal also had a couple of inside 50s and Sheridan sort of continued to push the ball up as well, Seppo, which is he's giving us that drive off half-back um, and while he continues to play this like, like this, you'd have to think Duffield's going to struggle to get a spot in the side or get his spot back. Yeah, certainly you can see the change in the guard happening now over the course of this season. It's been a, a thing we probably all started talking about at the start of the year, what you know Sheridan's going to step up to and he's just showing a bit of that now and I think he's could be that confidence player that you leave him in there and he'll just grow into the role rather than sort of dropping him in, dropping him out, playing as a sub. I think with these younger players who are getting the extended run, they just seem to take it on board. Yeah, what did you think of... There's been a lot of talk over the last 
well, probably all season, Sepa about Mazungu and whether he should get a spot. Uh, what did you What did you make of his performance? I know, you know he took a fantastic grab, but he also made a couple of uh, pretty poor skill errors in terms of his decision making. So throughout the game, and he certainly was no lone ranger all the time. But what did you think of his performance? Where do you think he's going to be? Has he done enough to a, sort of keep his spot towards when we get closer to the finals action? Well, he's he's kind of like a. I think I used the word nondescript to describe him before. He's um, sort of playing on the wing with a bit of sort of slipping behind the ball outside of the square. Yeah, he doesn't really move and doesn't have the, the quickness of a, a winger like Hilly or Sheridan or one of these other guys would. So he, he's very good overhead and seemed to, you know, pull the odd thing here and there. Um, and I think um, his experience probably helps, but it's just sort of hard to sort of pencil him in there. And it's been a very long time since we'd probably say Mazunga was, you know, in the best on um, ground, yet he's never that bad. So it's he's sort of just that, you know, 18 to 22 um, depth player that just sort of does his role without being absolutely fantastic anymore. The other thing I I reckon we've noticed, Seppo, particularly with since Pierce has gone forward, is that uh, the likes of Barlow and that seem to have... He doesn't seem to be spending as much, whether it's a coincidence or not, but Barlow doesn't seem to be spending as much time in the forward 50 as he has in particularly in the first half of the season. He seems to be getting up through the middle a little bit more and whether that's just to give a bit more space for Pierce to run into um, and particularly maybe with the introduction of Crozier in there as well who can sort of mark and is a little bit taller. They just seem to have pushed Barlow up into the middle a little bit more around the stoppages and that sort of stuff and he's, he's responded with a much better performance. His numbers have seemed to have increased in the last five to four to five weeks. Yeah, he got back out to 26 disposals for Barlow and Attended some of the uh, set of clearances, got a couple of himself. So it's good to see that he's actually getting in amongst it. For a while, he would always be on the outside. But now I think probably with Fife missing and probably shifting a couple of the others around, we've seen more of the likes of Barlow and, and Subin and I think DeBoer actually attending the uh, centre square. And it's um, just interesting where it was sort of mixing it up. And maybe they're just looking for different combinations at work at this time of year. But I'm liking it. And I think Barlow's getting back to his best. Yeah, and... Once again, it seemed the combination with Griffin and Sanderlands looked pretty solid, and uh, I know Clark will be desperate to get back in the side, but uh, at the moment, Griff seems to be doing everything that Ross Lyon asked of him, so it's going to be hard for uh, Clark to get back in the side as it stands at the moment. Yeah, I think um, the big thing about Griffin is he can actually show, he can hit the scoreboard and move forward, and he's not he's a confident you know, forward ruck, or ruck forward, whatever you call it first. He's, um, yeah, Shoney can do more things than, you know, just plain old ruck. So he's a, he's a player that bleeds purple and, and loves to play for Freo. And I'm glad now, actually, now that we've seen him play, that you sort of scratch his, scratch the hedge at the uh, contract ex- extension for a couple of, couple of years or a year or two. Um, and now you can see why he's going to be a very good ruckman to um, just throw in there wherever we need. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how what Freo decided to do with Clark. Uh, I, I'm personally of a big um, advocate of Clark, and I know that at the moment he hasn't probably put it together. But most Ruckman do struggle a little bit until they reach their early 20s or mid tw- mid to late 20s. Seppo, and I just think it'll be a massive mistake for us. Unless we're going to get a, a, like a really creme de la creme uh, key forward, there's just no way you'd want to be getting rid of Clark. Um, Sandlands has maybe got one year left after this, you'd have to think. Uh, and... He's just going to be um, a quality ruckman as he bulks up even more and 
you know, he just develops his game further. Each year he's sort of getting better. Um, there's still definitely room for improvement, but I think it would be a big mistake for us to get rid of him myself. Yeah, definitely. And I think if he does, if they decide to go that way, you you know, people, thought like I know there's a lot of guys on the board who don't rate him, but you'll just about see that any team looking for a half-decent ruckman will certainly um, more than happy to take him off our hands, that's for sure. Oh, for sure. But we've uh, definitely got our ruck stocks covered, I think, when you still look at... Hannah that probably hasn't had the opportunity this year, and Moller sounds like he's almost ready to come off that rookie list, not yet to get senior games, but at least he's done his uh, probation period and really developed and still a couple of years away. Like you said, you've got to wait to their 24-25, but Moller's shown a bit as well that we've got some good ruck depth right the way through to our youngsters. All right, absolutely. Is there anything else that you want to add into the discussion for this game, Seppo? Because it was... They said the second half wasn't much of an idea and we can probably move on and have a look at the derby unless you've got something else you want to bring in for it. No, that's probably it. You can see it was all shut up shop in that last quarter and there's a couple of people annoyed that Freo didn't get over that 100 mark and or the 40-point margin as a lot of people uh, might expect them to, but I, uh, I predicted pretty much to the point we'd, we'd win by 36 or 38, so... Especially when they got them at over $4 for the uh, price they said. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a bit annoying, but uh, let's just be happy to, to get the four points at this stage and, yeah, we, we move on. Yeah, that's, yeah, I think we're just slowly starting to see that ball movement improve and get back to that pre-sound sort of eight level as well, Seppos, particularly in that first quarter. You can see the guys are really trying to move the ball on a little bit more and the turnovers were a little bit less this week compared to the week before and although we didn't sustain it at the same time, as you said, Ross seems to shut up shop a little bit, so therefore, you know, it's hard to take much out of that second half. But this week, I think it'll be a good test for us um, as we get into it. Mm. During the week, is, oh, on the Saturday, Seppo, Peel moved to consolidate their spot in the finals for the first time with a 30-point win at the end of the day against South Fremantle at Fremantle Oval in pretty ordinary conditions. But Peel ended up winning 14 goals, 13-97, to South Fremantle, who are accurate with 11 goals, won 67 and kicked uh, nine goals straight up until three-quarter time. Uh, once again, the usual sort of suspects had pretty solid games uh, with uh, the likes of Ballard getting 33 touches, Ed Langdon with 20, 26, Brady Gray 24, and Duffy pushing for a spot or a claim as well with 24 possessions and three goals too. Mm. And it's good to see uh, the young Irishman, Sean Healy, getting the scoreboard again. Um, and even you know other guys like kind of Blakely picking up 29 touches, he's just been ultra-consistent. I don't think going back over his stats for the year, he's had too many games where he's had below 20, so it's it's really good to see that you know right the way through the year, looking back over, I can only see one game where he actually got less than 20 disposals, so I'm not sure if he picked up an injury that game, but it's fantastic to see that these young guys are coming in and have a big impact. Yeah, probably the most interesting thing, I think, out of the Peel scenario this year for in terms of Fremantle down the track, apart from the form of our young players, as you mentioned, Seppo, will be the likes of whether Fremantle will look at a potential player like Bootsma, who we all know about his uh, issues that he had, particularly while he was at Carlton as a, you know, with the social media and that sort of stuff. But he's a good size at 193, took, had 24 touches last week, 10 marks, and just seems to be growing each week. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Fremantle maybe look at him with a late rookie pick. Uh, yeah. just in that in that sort of uh, role uh, in developing another key defender. 
you can definitely see all the the training watches and the people that are actually sorry the peel watches guys getting down to the game and and watching it know that there's something worthwhile with Bootsman and he, he's been putting on good numbers and they say he's a more of an agile Dawson type or a Dawson with a better kick and set of skills on him. So he's, um, yeah, definitely something worth a, a look at. And to say there's already been an AFL level and taken there, if he sorts himself out, he can be a, a handy addition. And I wonder if he um, will nominate for the draft or will look at picking him up through the uh, the rookie list because he's um, certainly worth a spot there. Yeah, and I think it's certainly going to be a benefit to us as well, Stepo, as a club, because as long as... Uh, Peel is still playing finals. It's it, depending on what happens for us in the AFL finals. It's going to allow our second string or reserve players to continue playing, which is going to be really important. You, the last thing you really want to do is when you've got a finals campaign under in the AFL, is then have all your reserve players not getting a game for two or three weeks, uh, losing that match fitness. So it's really important for us to make sure that we do consolidate and get that spot in the top five in the waffle. Yeah, it's good to see it goes right to round 23. Um, obviously, Peel playing south again, I believe, and that takes us to the end of August. So at least, you know, they, they've got the final system after that and they'll be playing right the way through. And um, finally, you know, Peel get involved with uh, finals. I'm not sure if the exact position will be at the end of this for the couple more games to go, but let's just hope they uh, give a bit of a final shake-up with the um, good talent they've got there. Yeah, for sure, and... Just uh, encourage a few more people, or particularly some of those younger guys, to hang around at Peel and continue to play, which is really important for the development of uh, Fremantle as well. Uh, moving on, Seppo. Uh, obviously, the big clash this week, Derby 42. Currently, the Eagles lead that head-to-head 21-20. to 20. Um, And every week, uh, you know, we no doubt hear the usual stories about, uh, uh, you know, it's Fremantle's grand final, etc., etc. But there is a little bit more on... On the uh, line this week, particularly for West Coast, not so much ourselves. Uh, we only really need one more win out of the last two to consolidate a top two spot. But, you know, get two wins and all of a sudden no one can catch you for the number one spot. But a big number of ins and outs this week, Seppo, if you want to uh, have a look through it for us. Yeah, so we've got the Sunday games. We've just got squads at the moment. So um, for Fremantle, we've got into the side comes the... Uh, the, the wonderful Michael Johnson. the uh, Probably the Brownlow medalist for this year, providing he can get a couple more votes for the rest of the year in at five. Clancy Pierce also comes in with the big white shorts. And uh, young Connor Blakely comes into the side with Lockie Weller omission. Um, going over to the Eagles, they bring in Callum Sinclair, Tom Bar- Barris, Barras, I think it's pronounced, yeah. Jamie Bennell, Brant College, Josh Hill, and Carlton X, Kane Lucas. And out of the side goes Scott Selwood, Jeremy McGovern with that hamstring and Mark McCraw with the suspension. So obviously Kane Lucas is the first game for him if he makes the final side. So, And uh, there, it's always a, a talking point. So we'll go down to the umpires. We've got Jeff Deglish, Sean Ryan, Scott Jeffrey, and let's hope he doesn't get caught upon, but the emergency is Dean Margetts. Yeah, he's actually been... Uh... Not too bad this year. I have to give him a little bit of a credit compared to some of the likes, like the Farmer, etc. But uh, but leaving that aside, hopefully that'll have no influence on the game. But Seppo, just having a look at the let's leave the interchange just for the moment. But you have to just about think, with the exception of probably Ballantyne, this would be our best possible side that we could put out in the park. I'm not saying they'll all play, 
but as it's listed at the moment, that would just about be close to the best possible side we can play. Yeah, I think Ballantyne is the uh, only exclusion from our best 22 all year, basically on form and, and who's been playing well and, and playing at their best. So we are getting close to the right side. So everything, all the stars are aligning and providing no one else comes out. And I know there's been talk about McFarlane and everything coming out. But like you say, as you see it without the final name being there, if you you look at that side, you'd think it's be um, capable of taking on anyone. It's a, a very strong set of names out there. And also we've got the, you know, whether you agree with him or disagree with it, um, you've also got Dawson, who's probably uh, another player who'd be trying to push his way into the 22. Uh, but, you know, based on what we've seen this so far this year, Seppo, you can't say he'd be a, certainly a walk-up start in the 22 as it, as it sits at the moment. So, uh, you know, we're, and, you know, some would probably argue maybe that Ballantyne's form this year probably dictates that he probably not necessarily be in that uh, automatic starting 18 either as it, as it sits. It's going to be a dilemma when you get to those last two games of the round. If they are resting players and you're talking about bringing some of those guys back in, what it does to the side and who earns their spot and who's been putting in the effort all, year, all this year because there's players, I suppose, like Sheridan and, and Crozier and I suppose even Alex Pierce that he's put a couple of games under his belt now and he's almost part of the furniture now in the best 22 that it's going to be hard for some players that have you know only had a couple of games this year. Do they... Experience and age override all the hard work and effort that these younger guys have put in there, and even guys like Clark. You know, what, how much does he need to do in the waffle to displace Griffin? Or if they're happy with a combination of Sandy and Griffin, what's what's it going to do to that? So it's a uh, yeah, an interesting uh, prospect over the next couple of weeks, and it'll be interesting just to see from this side in terms of player management. Do we start to see that come in now? Or are they going to lock up the wins and, and then start to play around with it once all the mathematical calculations have been done? I think you have to be... I think if there's any doubt on any of our players, you know, and I'm talking like our sort of top players like Pav or Mundy or McFarlane, you just don't risk it. So far, yeah. I think we just got to put them in cotton wool and whatever happens, happens. I mean, if we look at the game at the moment, West Coast would probably have, you know, probably arguably at least well, maybe three of their more important players with Nat Nui, McGovern and Lacra are all out uh, from, the, from the side. And so they're going to struggle a little bit as well. And, I mean, if you look at the ins that they've brought in, you wouldn't really say that. I mean, Sinclair's had a pretty good year, but none of the other ins there really stand out as being... It doesn't strike fear into your eyes. No, that's exactly <laughs> right, you know. you know, And I'm sure, uh, you know, the likes of, uh, you know, and even when you consider that, even with those in there, you've got the likes of McGinnity and those sort of guys. I mean, he'll certainly battle hard and give you a contest, but he certainly is not going to um, have the same class as some of their other players that, that they won't have playing in the game, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, looking at the interchange, Seppo, you know, as we do every week, and there's some really quality players on that interchange, and it's going to be interesting. I mean, you'd have to think that, uh, that as I said, there has to be a few late changes, you would think, so... But based on what we see there, uh, what as it sits, who would you have as your four on the bench there? Well, I suppose if you you say that McFarlane is, we're taking a no-risk policy, take McFarlane out, throw Silvani onto the field, and then you've got out of that interchange of Barlow, Mzungu, DeBoer, Crozier, Pierce, and Blakely, you probably just run with the more senior types and go Barlow, Mzungu, DeBoer, and Crozier. So you'd think it'd be Clancy Pierce and young Connor Blakely, who misses out. So, unfortunately, we lose uh, Lockie Weller, but 
probably won't see the debutant unless they decide there's one more senior bloke like Mundy that's carrying something or Pav and they can shuffle something else around to make it work. Um, but I think that's probably the way of going. Maybe one more change to this final squad after tomorrow's training and it might just be um, we're going in with Johnson and Silvani as our two key position players with a bit some playing in there with Alex Pierce the option to drop back or we could completely change it up. But I think, to me, that's just the most logical thing to do. I know it's a little bit out of left field, but for me, Sepp, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if Pav doesn't play. I wouldn't be surprised if Blakely maybe does come in for his debut and they'll play Fife out of the forward in the forward out of the forward fifty. And that might be a smarter way of even managing Fife. No, he's not yeah. coming in straight on ball, play forward. We noticed Richmond he was playing on the wing, sort of half forward, so it's not the first time it happens. It's not strange to thinking, but that is maybe one way you could get the Blakely debut happening. And what it would do for Fife is obviously being in his groin, you don't want to Agitate it with side to side movement. Where playing forward, he'd be running directly at the ball. You know, he could go up and take a few hangers and whatnot, but he wouldn't have that sort of movement that he would require in the midfield. And you could probably put him up there for small bursts and as you needed to. And it does give you that little bit of flexibility. So I wouldn't be surprised if Pav doesn't play. Uh, that if they may look at doing that, they may leave Fife up there along with Pierce and uh, one of the Ruckman and then look at playing uh, Lakely in for a debut, and then he could run through that midfield and a little bit more, uh, give you a little bit more grunt through the midfield there. It does seem like an unsettled forward line for us if you did take Pav out of there, and and then when you sort of look along the line of Walters, Main, Lockie Neal, as it's named, Alex Pierce, Jonathan Griffin, and so if you throw Fife in there, that would certainly be a different forward line, and nothing probably that the... uh, the Eagles would have on tape of us of operating with, obviously, other than last week or two, where you probably had Griffin and Pierce playing forward. So certainly it will throw a bit of a cat amongst the pigeons and maybe not give away what we might be operating later in the finals, where no doubt we'll probably come across Eagles at some point, which will be exciting in uh, some point. But it's, yeah, it's definitely you can see different ways of doing this and not only player management protecting our midfield, but not giving away our game plan. Yeah. The other interesting part as well, whether Fremantle will try and stretch them tall, Seppo, with Barras and Schofield in there, whether they look to try and maybe, if they go a little bit taller, it may force them, the Eagles to move Yo out of the midfield and they'll make force him down a little bit further down back. I mean, they've got the likes of Wellingham who will provide that runoff half back and they'll try and obviously free up Hearn, so they'll and then you've got Xavier Ellis who unfortunately made out a sticky tape for them so he can tend to sort of, you know, quite a few injuries. You just can't seem to get a run at it, which is, you never want to see any player go, you know, get injured all the time. And uh, but unfortunately for them, he just hasn't been able to sort of consistently put it on the park. So when you're looking at the midfield there, and I mean, some of their guys have had some really, like Gaff's had a career year, and he'll, they'll certainly be looking to shut down his outside run. And then the likes of Shepard and uh, probably, you know, Wellingham have probably had... Uh, probably career best years for them, and even maybe Sheed as well. Yeah, I think um, Gaff probably could be the only Eagle that's probably sitting in front of Brittis in their uh, best and fairest and Brownlee count, so it's definitely something that's got to make him accountable because he's certainly getting better as the uh, year goes on, but thank God there's no Lacra out there because I think it was uh, Sutcliffe that mentioned that in the last derby, Sutcliffe uh, 
got hold of, uh, I mean, Lacroix got a hold of Sutcliffe and kicked a couple on him. So it's one less person to worry out, out there. And um, obviously the, the other exclusions of no um, McGovern, who's probably had some good games in the past, and no Nat Nui. And unfortunate circumstances mean that at least we might be able to get a hold of the midfield because something at the start of the year probably didn't rate the Eagles midfield, but they've been managing to do it a lot. I'm not sure if off the back of Prittis or, you know, Marstons and Gaff playing really well or Nat Nui pushing it, winning it on the outside, but it means that Sandlands and our A-grade midfield combo can uh, hopefully keep it out of their two dangerous forwards, Kennedy and Darling's hands, because that's certainly one way that I'm looking at this list going, this is where Eagles could possibly get us, but once again, if you uh, starve their forwards, that's uh, how we're going to win this game. Yeah, last week was the first time we haven't seen that Nui play for a number of weeks, and even though Lysett, I thought, was reasonable against them, Seppo. And they had to throw Yo in there and stages to ruck as well. So yeah. that's pretty hard on them not to even have Sinclair in there as well. But we noticed that when by doing that, it certainly affected their ability to win the clearances. Um, and if you look at the team stats, they ended up getting beaten quite comfortably in the clearances in the end compared to what they had... Uh, when Nat Nui was in there, I think they lost the centre clearances 14-8, to eight, and really at the end of the day, if you look at the scoring, scoring from that, that really was probably the difference between the two sides. So um, Hawthorne ended up winning off 15-6 from the centre clearances and winning the overall clearances 57-44. So because not only was Nat Nui sort of giving them the palm-down service against the lower ruckman in the league, but now against and now Fremantle with Sandilands in there will certainly dictate where the ball is going to be going and they'll just make sure that um, the reality is they'll make sure that Prittis, the ball goes any, any direction where Prittis isn't. Um, you know, even though he doesn't always, he's not a great kicker, the ball, he certainly uh, out of clearances and congestion is very good at uh, bringing the ball to the outside runners that they do have. Any other uh, matchups stand out for you in this one, Seppo? Um... Probably not really. We've probably covered off the major ones, and a lot will get down to what the uh, final teams is. So it's unfortunate we can't. We're just hypothesising on the combination of, say, McFarlane or Pav out there, and it'll be interesting to see if they make the call on the two. But it, it will be exciting to see. You know, obviously, if Connor Blakely comes in, you'd think he'd probably get the subs of S just to be eased into it, like Lucky Weller was, even though you'd. You'd rate him to say jump in the midfield and just do what you've been doing in the waffle. I think if they do bring him in, it would have to be through the sub. It's the way we've been doing it pretty much, except for you know, Alex Pierce obviously being a key size. But um, it will be interesting to see if he does and put on a good show like Lockie Weller did for his first two games. It'll be uh, quite interesting. Another one interesting matchup will be down in defence and how we line up down there. That'll obviously depend a bit on who we have available, Seppo. But looking at the uh, Jack Darling, you'd have to think that Ibbotson's played on him pretty well in the past, so he might be a natural matchup. And Fremantle will be trying to get someone in that space where Kennedy likes to run into. Now, McFarlane has had the wood on Kennedy for a number of years and always manages to keep him to a low count. But without him playing there, they'll probably have to rely on Silvani doing that role. And they'll obviously be trying to keep Johnson or Ibbotson free, so Sinclair will have a pretty important role down there, being that extra tall to uh, make one of our other defenders down there accountable. Yeah, and it's, you could certainly see it back in the Saints game, the combination of uh, Ibbotson and Silvani, and while Luke was 
even there or not there, but you could see they worked really well in terms of who was matching up who and the times that Ibbotson had to take on a taller. He seemed to do it quite well, and I think he was matched up at Bruce for certain stages and then got him there under McCartan and, and Rewalt and did a really good job. So, you know, he can play taller. So if, if Sinclair or Darling sort of end up in his direction, you know, that Ibbotson's capable, but it will be, you know, how Johnson goes in there and if he's, you know, lost his yard of pace or can defend well and and hopefully carry himself against one of those two big guys. One of the interesting talking points, probably particularly about a month ago, Seppo, was to talk about the, the Weagles' web, so to speak, and the defensive setup they had down the ground. And now they've lost a couple of players, it'd be interesting to see if the their second string players that they have come in are going to be just as effective. Fremantle showed early in the year with quick ball movement that they were able to really decimate West Coast in the first quarter and a half. And guys like Chris Maston and that were just sort of non-existent in their defensive pressure and allowing Hill to get off the chain and that sort of stuff. It'll be interesting when looking at Fremantle's midfield versus the West Coast, particularly like if you look at the likes of Hutchings, Maston, Prittis, Gaff, they're all very small midfielders. And Fremantle have got a much taller side. And it'll be interesting to see how Fremantle... A, move the ball, and B, if they're stuck one-on-one, how they can isolate those players and get the one-on-one marking matchups that other teams may not necessarily get against them being such a small or such a big differential in the midfield sizes. Yeah, certainly even without Nat Nui there, the, the get-out kick to Sandlands against some smaller tops around will obviously come into play a bit, but you can see the way we moved our ball quick against um, probably both GWS and Saints is those quick, short, sharp kicks and stretching them with speed. So I'm not sure if this will work against some of the Eagles. And depending on the weather, I was just uh, going to cast my over to see how bad the weather is because I heard there's a bit of rain forecast, but you'd hate for us to play in a wet slog again. So you just hope it's dry enough for us to get a comfortable lead. And then if it wants to rain after that, fair enough. But I think it's, it's, um, I think it's about a 30% chance, but it's not that heavy, Seth. I think the maximum they reckon will be half a millimetre or something. So it's not going to be anything too influential you'd think in the game. And I think if it is wet, I think that's going to be to our advantage with the bigger bodies. Yeah, certainly it will uh, definitely play into our favour. And as probably we've been experiencing, I've read someone on the forum saying, I can't remember a, a full AFL year, or at least for us, been playing in so many games affected by rain. So let's just hope that um, that somehow benefits us and we can get through and hopefully have no injuries. Because when you look at it, there's a lot of other sides and, Top eight have all been hit pretty hard, and, and we've had our fair share with Johnson and, and obviously Dawson and I suppose Ballantyne come out with long-term injuries, but we seem to be getting most of them back or at the right time and, and, and shaping right up. Yeah, our forward running patterns last week were a lot better as well, so but particularly in the first quarter, we were able to have guys leading in different spots and being able to be isolated one-on-one, and I think that was reflected by the fact that we had number of different goal kickers in that first quarter and guys were actually running into space. It wasn't like, I know there was a couple of contested marks with Griffin and Mazungu, but a number of times we saw Pav on the lead, Crozier on the lead. I think Pierce took one on the lead. So I think our patterns up forward certainly seem to be a little bit better. And I think if we get that isolation one-on-one uh, with our players down there, if we get enough ball in there, I think, you know, even if we do have a couple of outs, I think we should get enough... Uh, one-on-one opportunities to uh, make life certainly difficult for West Coast and be able to get the win. 
Mm. What do you think of the talk, Seppo, about, uh, I know David King was talking about it last night, whether it's to our advantage of West Coast finishing second and obviously making Hawthorne have to travel the first week and not get the uh, top two finish. But I think with the games that are coming up, West Coast have got a couple of tough ones anyway with the Bulldogs that who would love the open running style of West uh, the main stadium and then a tough one in Adelaide as well against the Crows. That, so I don't think even if you decide to put the queue in the rack for this one, there's no guarantee that it would necessarily... Uh, but Hawks would necessarily finish behind. We've got pretty two easy games to finish. Yeah, I suppose you don't want to look at what's reliant on other results. I know Ross will probably just wanted the the wins in the bank and bank the four points until mathematically nothing can can change because you never know what could happen. We could lose to the Eagles, and all of a sudden we can lose our next couple, or something might happen, and we might forfeit top spot. So you'd just want them to to win and make absolutely sure that things won't change and. And we might face Eagles and Hawks at different stages during the finals. Um, not sure if we'll get to see them both, but you know, I suppose you just got to play what's in front of you. And you know, you never know. Geelong could upset the Hawks, and they could start slipping out, and we may end up paying them anyway. So you know, things just work out a certain way, and nothing's given now with four weeks to go. And probably that's when we'll probably see the last two. And you know, if we've got a huge gap, that's when we can probably start to uh, have the luxury to play around with it. Yeah, I think the other interesting point is I think that Seppo, I think Mazungu and Deborah are playing for the one spot uh, mm. left over. And it'll be interesting to see what jobs both of them get this week because they're both more of that lockdown defender, uh, both like midfielder type. And it'll be interesting to see which way Lyon goes, whether, and particularly who does play on Gaff, uh, or what, and whether they play one on Gaff and one on Pritis, or whether they play one on Shuey or something like that. I think one of those two guys won't play in the last, in the you know the best twenty two when we get to the sort of pointy end of the season. So I think both those guys are playing for the one spot. Myself, mm. what are your there's thoughts? space space for one other that's probably been in out of the side or one of the younger guys as well to potentially stood up in that position. And can't imagine someone like Duffield coming back. He's not really in the mix for that spot anymore. So it is that sort of winger utility midfielder position that. We're sort of having fighting with DeBoer and um, Mazungu. I think Subin's now probably had a, a good patch, not a brilliant patch, but good form to show that he's in there to help push the ball forward. And he definitely you can see his strength in the side. So I'm not sure if he's in, uh, in the same position, but definitely out of those two, they are sort of fighting for that one spot. But they somehow both seem to be in the side at the moment. So you never know what can change, though. Yeah. I, I, the other talk this week as well, Seppo, has been about whether Monday would play this week or not or whether they'll rest him. Judging by the fact that he trained the other day and seemed to train quite strongly, I'd be very surprised if he takes this week off, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if he doesn't play the game against Melbourne at, at the main in two weeks' time. If he if he does play this week, I would think that'll be the game they'll probably rest him, and if Blakely doesn't get a debut this week, he will certainly get the debut, I think, against Melbourne in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, definitely, and they'd probably see even the likes of Langdon and Gray probably get a game by then, and, and we'll be looking at a lot more. All right, so come to the important part of the uh, night, Seppo. What's your uh, tip for this week? Um, I'm going to say Frio is going to get out to a blistering lead, park the bus, and scrape over the line by 17 points. Yeah, I think it'll be pretty similar. 
I think Fremantle will try and get out to that lead. I think they'll be probably a little bit uh, stronger than they were last week and not park it too early, but I think it'll be a comfortable four-goal, well, as comfortable as a four-goal win can be. <laughs> um, I think, Sebo, that, uh, you know, I think West Coast will certainly uh, have their moments in the match, no doubt, um, but I just feel that Fremantle, particularly in that midfield, just look a little bit stronger on paper across the board and, you know, I know that the likes of Selwood and that sort of thing haven't hasn't been particularly good this year, and West Coast have certainly improved a lot from the previous year, but I just don't think that at the moment they're probably quite up to the um, to the match, particularly without their best twenty two in there, uh, with the likes of Nat Nui and McGovern. Um, you know, I don't know Mackenzie's out for the year, but they're just missing too many of their quality twenty best twenty two. I think if they had their best side in there this week and we had a couple out, I think it would certainly maybe lean it, you know, square it up a little bit closer. But with the likes they've got missing, I just can't see them getting enough of the ball in the midfield and getting the ball where they want it, in particular the way Sam Land has been using the ball to uh, cause us enough damage. There's one other factor we probably haven't taken into consideration that it's actually our home derby. So there is another little edge on uh, the home supporters there getting behind the team. So... We uh, beat them in the away derby at the start of the year, and this is our time to uh, level the uh, ledger and um, get the uh, home win. Yeah, and if you look at the interchange for West Coast there, Seppo, you think Barras would have to play considering that McGovern's out, and then you've got the likes of probably Butler, who plays that defensive mid, and Sheed, who's been in the midfield. But you look at the last one in there, none of those players really stand out as being, you know, Exceptional. I thought they might have given Lamb another go, but I mean, College has shown bits of East Perth this year. Hill has his moments, uh, but seems to, you know, hasn't sort of struck a light during the derby and struggled to get back in the side. I mean, if Kane Lucas plays, well, then all the better for us, I think. And uh, and Jamie Bennell, they might try and give him a bit of run off half back, but uh, once again, he struggled to hold his spot as well. Mm. All right. Any other uh, big game grudge match before the derby this week over in Melbourne, Seppo? Uh, yeah, so over in Melbourne, we've got the massive grudge match, number 10. It's um, the big battle between the Fitzroy Dockers and the East Coast Eagles. We've um, just finalised our team tonight, and I've earned myself a spot in the wing. So we'll be looking at playing at Fleming Park and Albert Street in Brunswick East this Sunday at 1.30. Well, the game's due to start at 2, but 1.30 when it all kicks off. So um, we've got a, a big team to take on the Eagles, and I think we've lost the last one or two. So I'll be looking to um, get that back and then head down to the Great Northern Hotel at four to watch the uh, big game. So if you can't make our, our game and want to come down and at least watch the derby with all us, I've got probably half the Great Northern booked out just for this derby, and they're, they're doing a good job promoting it. And we'll uh, have a massive, massive day on Sunday. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll only be half a game or one win away from securing the top spot for the rest of the season, Seppo. And looking forward to the final. Our first minor premiership. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it means a great deal in the grand scheme of things, but it will be some form of trophy. I think they still have the, is it the McClellan Trophy or something like that. But uh, eyes will be definitely on the bigger prize come the end of the season, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Right. Thanks again for joining us this week, Seppo. And, and uh, no doubt we're looking forward to a. A um, bumper derby game this week. Yes. And we will see you again next week, Seppo. We're looking forward to uh, 
hopefully just dissecting a memorable derby game and hopefully a another Dockers win. Yes, will do, and I'll enjoy Sunday and report back on the board. All right, thanks for everyone for listening, and we will catch you again next week. Bye for now.